Welcome to the Barn Shield Fanatics. I'm Connor Crockford, and as always, my co host Mason McGuire and I will dissect the tragedy, poetics, politics, and raw fucking ownership was perhaps the greatest television series ever, The Shield. How are you doing this evening, Mason? I'm feeling a little weird. Yeah. Uh, I think because this is a weird episode. Oh my god, it's weird. I mean, so we deliberately. How are folks, you feeling? <laughs> we're not that sober for this. We decided we were just like, we're gonna go in yeah, this, not this entirely like... together. Yeah, we're, this is going to be very, uh, I know we get pretty freeform on this show, but this might be our most sure. freeform one. This is going to yeah. be a little loose. We're going to go, we're going to go jazzy with this, folks. Yeah. All right. So this is, uh, we're doing co-pilot today, guys. Yes. Co-pilot's uh, so weird. Co-pilot. Written by Sean Ryan and Glenn Mazzara. Yes. And directed by um, Peter Horton, who is returning after, uh, Carte Blanche. Oh, right, right, right. I was yeah. I remember what other episode he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, okay, where do you want to start with this? episode <laughs> it's a mistake i mean that's just something I, i'll say right now i don't necessarily disagree with the intention behind it sure i just think that the execute i can kind of see everyone's confusion kind of mm-hmm. just from the top down on um just this entire episode it feels so sort of scatterbrained it's really um, messy yeah and i think that if i was thinking that like especially after ending the the middle of the season on such a high note last week mm-hmm. that like there kind of needs to be something that feels a little more like a reset before we get into the back half of the money train stuff. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to do something like this. I just think that this is such a, nobody really knew how to accomplish, uh, or, or like a kind of, I don't know what it is. I guess I feel like, <laughs> okay. Do you want to just start from like, the top, because I think the I, the first thing I need to say about this episode is that it was so weird to see Shane in a suit. <laughs> okay, uh, one thing I want to say, though, I think I understand the conceit of it. I understand the conceit, okay. but I fundamentally disagree with it. And okay. it's because I don't think, for one, I don't think that Vic, like, grew to be corrupt. I think he was this, that No, way. I agree with that. I agree with it, too. We'll not, get into again, that, but... Is, like, I'm saying that, like, I think that, like, the individual decisions made in this episode on, on like, a story level, I, I, I'm just, like, so against Me too. them all. It's so face. weird. I mean, look, yeah, it's you're so right. weird. Like, Vic and Shane alone in fucking suits is, like, no, that I reject this look. And just the idea that, like, Vic needed to... The idea that Vic just, what like, had to, like, really beg Gilroy for this was the other thing. Um, I feel you. I don't know. I guess I think that my impression for Gilroy from the last season is he was like an in guy that could kind of protect Vic. Right. And at the end, when he was brought down, um, it was kind of this momentous thing that this like guy that you think is going to be this the be Vic's protector probably throughout the rest of the show in any other sort of like can like um, sort of a uh, 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 version of this story or this type of t- show up to this time, Gilroy would be around more. But he gets brought down by the end of the first yeah. season. And just to see him, like, kind of... It's so, so much of the conflict in here feels so contrived is what it is, I think. I'm with you there. I don't buy... I think the problem with this story is that it requires a lot of personality changes that I don't buy. Like Yes, definitely. I don't buy that Vic, you know, takes time to become the guy he becomes. I think he was always that guy. I don't... 100%. But it speaks to, like, I don't want Vic to have an origin. I don't want a background... I think this guy is who he is, and whatever that comes from, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, and it doesn't really particularly matter to me how he met Rondell of all people. Right. Like, that was nice. It was nice for me to see Connie again, I think, too. Yeah, I like seeing um, Connie. I like seeing you know. Connie, and I don't, like... I think there's just so many ideas, and it feels like they just need to set up mm-hmm. stuff in this episode nobody was really interested, or at least me personally, I was not interested in seeing set up. Like, I don't really care how he met Rondell, because we haven't seen Rondell since no. the beginning of the season. Um, Gilroy's been out since at least a season, so I don't really need to see him and how he fit into that. Yeah. I kind of would have just liked it to be like, it, it oh man, and the, the fact that it takes four, place 14 months before, 14 I, months. what's like, yeah, so what's between that, the end of co-pilot and the beginning of pilot, how much time has passed? Right. I, I always guess like six or seven months. Um, and even that feels a little but... like... None of this makes a lot of sense to me. I like I just don't buy like Vic is like a meek guy who briefly gets along with people and like Yeah. I don't buy that in his character. I think he's a guy who was always like this and he just had a protecture. Like I and buy I don't, mean, I don't buy that he was never corrupt. I buy that he was corrupt from the start. Yeah. I mean I think that like and just the fact that they kind of had oh man, I would have loved to just cut oh my god. I would have just loved, like, the the Lemon Shane setup, I think, was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I just, the thing that that's just, is, like, there's, it says 14 months previously. Was that from 14 months from the pilot? So a year before the pilot? Because all the clips are from, I don't know. It's just, it's so confusing what this, what's happening here, I think. And, like, why this specific I don't really feel like if we were going to see any time before the pilot, if mm-hmm. we had to, I don't know why we had to be back this far to when it was like just starting. You know, it's it's so weird. I'm I'm with you there. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know how much time takes place. The whole of the shield, the series, is supposed to take place over three years, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if this is like. I'm gonna guess it's like seven months before the pilot, but that's the best I can give you. Right. But that was always my intuition, and it's not, like, something that Lorac can be like, this takes place here. Um, yeah. You know, the, the show is not really putting in the work for that, frankly. And No, I, I agree, yeah. And it, it's just sort of a fun idea that, like, is frustrating because I think it, it goes against the show. The show is a locomotive. I don't think it needs to go backwards, it needs to go forwards, you know. No, you're, ab- it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it's a violation of the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s whole principle, which is that, you know, ultimately literature literary devices here are not necessary this is this is television it's dramatic so you're going to go forward you're not going to go backward you don't need to have these kind of textures you need plot work and character work and the two go together and that's all you need you don't need to do these kinds of like and here we go back two years before my first love you know all this shit yeah exactly and like it's it's it is bullshit and the thing that like i it, it, the thing that is also sticking for me is that, like, this is such a show that is about um, consequences. Yeah. And um, there's just no consequence to anything in this, because we already know what exactly is going to happen from anything that happens here. This you know is... what I'm saying? Like, it's, <sighs> yeah. it's so, it feels so consequence-free, because it's like, you're kind of just watching, like, like, people set up pieces on a chessboard again. But, like, without making a move, they just clear it again and then reset the chessboard and then play a game. Okay, that's, you know a, I mean? that's a really interesting point. And, like, it, it feels... So what I wrote in my, down in my notes is uh, mm. I wrote down, like, 
this is Star Wars prequel level grading on Origins. Like, yeah, 100%. Shit where it's just like, The Barn, that's a good name. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, fuck no. Fuck no, Sean Ryan and Glenn Mazzara. I love you guys both, but fuck no. I'm so confused. It's like, I built so much smarter than this. They are so much smarter than this. Glenn Mazzara ran The Walking Dead for, like, I'm pretty sure multiple seasons, which in and of itself requires a talent, considering how much AMC are dicks to people, to showrunners in that show. And, like, Sean Ryan has successfully run at least, like, free television series. And I like, mean, but not at this crazy. point. But there's still like there's still like veteran writers, right. not veteran writers, but there's still like writers and professionals, and like have done like consistent on this show even mm-hmm. have done like consistently like challenging work. Yes, and, they, and they've stuck to something really powerful. And they've really and I was thinking of like I wrote down that this this just feels like kind of the uh, like a blast from another dimension where the shield is just this like kind of just actually work a day show. Yeah, you know where it's just it feels like. Um, it feels like a mo- it feels like a move from a show like from a, a television series mm-hmm. that has like way more seasons. I'm sorry, <laughs> way more episodes per season per show. You know? Oh yeah, like, like the twenty kind of episode a, model. Kind yeah, of. kind of like that. Like it feel like after a certain time, like how many fucking flashback episodes of The Simpsons have there been in the last fifteen years? Right. And and so I'm gonna quote uh, Drunk Napoleon here, who comments on our Facebook, and uh, he'll be What's coming up, in Napoleon? for the season two finale. Woo! Yeah, and so what he compares the Shield to a lot is what he calls the ordinary cop show, and the Shield is like a comment on those shows, and this feels like an episode from that show, from an ordinary cop show specifically. One hundred percent. Yeah, except in points, but like you know, there are moments here that are very Shieldy, and but like a lot of moments where I'm just like, okay, this feels too obvious. It, you know, like even like Lem getting naked in the locker room, like I laughed. But also, like, yeah, I was like, this is grating. Just, hey, in case you guys forgot, this subplot that has still not right. been resolved, this subplot that's still, this still active subplot. Right. Uh, just to remind y'all, y'all Julian's gay. Just to let you know. Just letting you guys know. Uh, just letting you, reminding you guys, Julian is honest. He play, he pays for his burrito. Yeah. When he's on the job. Yeah, it's just stuff where I'm like, this is not necessary information. And some of this is, like, character inconsistencies. Like... I don't. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Terry and Acevedo weren't buddies, like in any context. No, no that's bullshit. They had no. They like like Acevedo with every other person that he works with. It was a purely transactional relationship. Yeah, like they weren't even like guys who like were like we worked together in narcot in robbery. You know, like I don't buy this. I just don't. Yeah, yeah and Acevedo is so weird in this episode too. I think. Some of it I buy because, like, he's always been a dick, and I buy that, like, this is me really going off on certain characters. I'm just like, yeah, that guy's an asshole. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, Aceveda is such a dick in this episode, but I did kind of buy it where, like, he has to be prickly because he thinks that's how you be a boss. Mm-hmm. And I, I do yeah, think I, part yeah. of his evolution in the series is, like, being supportive to people like Danny, who he genuinely roots for. Yeah. Oh, uh, what'd you think of like the Vic? Oh God! I just each individual like setup that we have. I want to comment on. How? What'd you think of the Vic Danny setup, where he like, because it was just like a weird little nugget where I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I mean, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like they're kind of eyeing each other, but I don't. Honestly, I thought that Danny and Vic were like had only had sex once in the pilot. And they weren't going to do it, and they, like, they were going to do it again, but, like... Yeah. 
I don't know. It didn't feel like that much of a... It felt like Danny and Vic would meet and then have sex like two weeks later. Yeah. It didn't feel yeah, like something like would just saw be around, They just saw the, each other around. Like, right. I mean, I buy their attraction. They, it's funny. No, I mean, like, that's not the thing that I'm questioning, but it's sure. just like, again, 14 months earlier. It's a long know. time. Yeah. And that's, here's another thing with that, which is um, uh, the D- Dutch and Claudette, which is such a bizarre, was such a bizarre plot to give them such a bizarre the thing that i buy is mm-hmm. that like what kind of i think attracts dutch to claudette as a partner over tom gannon is the fact that he knows nothing about her right that's and a I really like good that. point i like that insight too and i liked the idea of, like he's interested in her like as someone who takes this seriously which gannon really doesn't no he's such like a I, he's definitely a guy that's like resting on his laurels from catching the uh, Benedict Canyon slash. Yeah, he's he's waiting for his pension and shit. That's mm-hmm. basically what he's doing. He's got like two years left or something, and like he's just gonna like prank Dutch and like be a dick, and that's oh, what yeah. he's gonna do for the rest of his career. Oh my god, that fucking like the I think <laughs> the best part of this episode was Tom Gannon in the uh, in the Strike Team HQ and like uh, yeah, and them just like being complete like frat boy douchebags oh totally and like i you get the sense that like ganon really is part of the boys club in that moment like claudette comes in and it's a violation of like oh wait this black woman can't walk into this room of all these like laughing white guys and 100%, she, yeah. and she has to ruin the fun and that was actually a nice subtext i like that like, claudette like at one point dutch is like how come i haven't heard of you and claudette's like it's a mystery to me <laughs> and i'm like yeah come on like you know claudette's being looked over because like she does not fit into Ganon in those guys. Yeah, which is like when he like uh, when she doesn't accept credit or whatever. She's no. like credits overrated or something like yeah. that. Yeah, she like, really fuck. deserves to take like she really does deserve like the most recognition of anybody on the show. And we keep mm-hmm. like talking about this. Yeah, uh, just because she's like the kind of the best detective um, and best like cop and just sort of like moral center of the show. Yeah. But she's not going to get any recognition because of, like, who she is as a, a black woman. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's what's, like, so... Uh, that's what's, like, great about her character and is always under the surface. And it's kind of nice that it was remarked upon here. And I like that subtext, too. I did. Yeah. And it's funny with Claudette. It, there's a sense of, like, both, like, she isn't taken seriously as, like, this strong black woman. But also because, like, you know, you see how, like, her morals bite her in the ass. Which I think is a mm-hmm. a nice, like, running thread that, like... Claudette's morality is, like, really strong and really good, but, like, it doesn't make her life better. It mm. actually makes it harder a lot of the time. You know, this is a world where you can't really be good and not pay for it in some small way. Even even well, a mild yeah. one. No, yeah. Because there will always be people acting out of self-interest and, uh, and selfishness, you know, which is such a big theme of the show. Like, the show is cynical, but it earns it. Right, uh, yeah, I think that it's, yeah, and it, oh, oh my god, I'm just thinking about, like, just everything that happened in this episode and how none of it really matters, because we're gonna no. get right back into some, like... Yeah, it's hard to really give a shit, I mean, I would've almost wanted, like, a, a, if we really had to go back and shit, I would've just wanted, like, an episode with Terry Hanks with the strike team, like... No, that's, that's all I would really want to, like, if I, I'm with you on that, if I was yeah. wanted to see one thing, it would be that, or, like... 
Man, I don't know. I would like to see, like, I kind of am interested for a whole episode of just, like, the first case Dutch and Claudette ever worked together. Because I would, I like to see, I would like to see, like, the kind of seed of that relationship. Well, we got that this episode, I guess. Right, 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 I guess. But I'm like, I want a whole episode of that, I think. I hear you, I yeah. You know, I guess they're always, like, secondary characters and they're going to take up less mm-hmm. time. It's just, it's, the thing is that there's, like, a couple different ideas for episodes on this premise that are just kind of smashed into one episode and it feels just normally when the shield is like this kind of active with plots and stuff it's really exciting yeah because there's something for everybody to do and everybody has their own um their own journey and it's like it's it they're interesting stories to watch but every time i was watching this i was like yeah i mean i guess you know like yeah i'm i'm sure that uh Dutch was a, a weird nerd the first time Claudette met him. Mm-hmm. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, well, like a big insight here. Um, I'm sure... And listen, ladies love to stash. <laughs> ladies love to stash. That was my favorite Ronnie moment of the night, of course. <laughs> the uh, yes. <laughs> he doesn't get a lot else going on, but... Uh, so you mentioned that you didn't really like the Dutch and Claudette plot this episode. Uh, can you go into that? I guess it's just like... I don't really remember anything about it. Sure. Is the thing. Um... And, oh, my thought was that, like, there's these two great shots at the end of uh, when Vic is dragging the guy out from under the barbed wire. And it's just Dutch and Claudette seeing him do that for the first time. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing about, like, how much time this episode takes place before the events we know that 14 months. Yeah. Like, that's a horrific and violent act. Yeah. And I just, like... And maybe this, like, ties into your thing about, like, Vic always being, a, like, he doesn't need to earn the right to be a, as, um, sort of, like, his, his force, his methods, we don't need, he's always, we can just accept that he's always been that way, we don't need to see him, like, wrestling with I Yeah, that. I never, and just, <sighs> sorry, keep and going. Just, no, no, no I, I think that's kind of the end of my point, is it's just, like, it ties up with Vic, like Claudette and Dutch, see this for the first time, and yeah. they don't really have any relationship with Vic at this point. But if this is their first image of him, I don't really get like why he kind of flew under their radar for so long, you know, or like wasn't like yeah. It's, there's some some parts of like the last couple episodes have been really riveting to watch because it seems like the kind of veneer of Vic Mackey's coming up. But if this is like your first view of this guy i don't know man i don't know just the the, the amount of time between them seeing that mm-hmm. and when they start to get suspicious of his or at least claudette starts to get suspicious of his character is just really such an odd thing for me i don't mind not seeing them like kind of recognize that this guy is bad news but i just don't buy the the time thing you know like this this the equation of this episode does not add up mm-hmm. i buy that uh, Dutch and Claudette might notice it and clock it. I don't know. I mean, that speaks to the thing Danny talks about just in the second episode that, like, this is a brotherhood. You don't rat people out. Um, and she says that again to Julian later when Julian almost rats out the strike team for the coke. Um, mm-hmm. But I I see where you're coming from, too. I see both sides of that. I think it's not well as well done as it should be. And yeah. I think this episode is trying to foreshadow... The conflict between Vic and Claudette way too much. When before this, before the second season, they are basically just colleagues, and like they actually work well together. Yeah, exactly. I th- you you put it 
you put that way more succinctly than yeah. I ever could. It's just, it's just that they were like it's before the second season they were just sure. colleagues that worked together. And I don't know, man. I mean, like, I'm not a cop. I don't know what that environment's like at yeah. all. Um, hmm. But if I saw, like, my, a co-worker of mine, like, just brutalize a guy and drag him in, I don't know if I'd have as casual of a relationship well, with that guy as, yeah. like, over the course of a year, if that's my first image of him. You well, know? Dutch and Claudette are, are decent people, mostly, in, like, I don't know, a lot of cops look the other way and so much shit where I'm just like, yeah, I buy that these guys yeah. just don't care. Uh, yeah, I uh, I would buy that the cops would. I just don't buy that Dutch and Claudette wouldn't. I agree with you, you there. Know? I think I agree I think with that's you. like yeah. what the show, the show's kind of perspective on uh, the detective character that I think is so interesting mm-hmm. um, is that they are um, in Claudette's case, like, their idea of a detective is that they're like tremendous empaths and how they, the way that they um, crack their cases is by understanding like the motivations of of the crooks that they're after at least like the way that the show i think the show's perspective on it and how farmington works and just like the best sort of um examples of that of like detective work with dutch is like his his intellect and claudette's is their heart and i think that the show this idea of like the perfect detective the true detective if you will someone that can kind of unify the head and the heart in that way (laughs) Um, somewhere nick pesolato is just like whoa somebody talked about me Well, well, yeah, he's knocking on my door right now. I gotta go. Remember that? Go fucking, shoo him away with a broom. Remember that Vanity Fair article? And like, I'm not saying. Oh this yeah, is with like, him in the motorcycle. <laughs> I'm not even saying this is like I hate Nick Pizzolatto, but like that Vanity Fair article is one of the funniest things ever written. It's a masterpiece real- of ego. God, okay, I gotta read that because my my example for that that I love is the um the uh the the John Mayer Rolling Stone article from, I want to say, like, maybe from, like, around 2010. He was oh, fuck, I remember this article. Yeah, and it was just, like, this this look into John Mayer's um, personal life that was just kind of sad. Oh, yeah, it is hard. It's really it strange. Was, it's and, really like, odd, yeah. awful to read, and you're just like, who is this person? Oh um, my god! So, but what's what's up with the Nick Pizzolatto one? I remember. Oh, I just remember great. the picture being so goofy. Oh, he compares him directly to F. Scott Fitzgerald at one point, <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure. Don't you know? Don't directly call me on that. But it's one of the funnier things I have ever read in my life, um, because so the sheer dripping, like sucking up to Pizzolatto, like dripping from this man's jaws, it's is so, hysterical. It's- the cult of the showrunner was so odd, and I'm kind of happy that we're past that now. Yeah, it really bothered me. I mean, I think Bizzolato got a lot of flack for, like, you know, it's not like he directly sexually harassed women that we know of, so, you know, mm-hmm. he got a lot of flack for the cult of the showrunner that, like, he probably didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Chase was a way bigger prick to people in general, let's be oh honest Oh my god, here. like, every, like, um... The whole show damages is all about how uh, the creators of the show <laughs> yeah. were abused, but emotionally abused by David Chase. Right, and like they felt really it's hurt. It's not funny. It's not funny. Damages is a great show, but The Sopranos is too, and it's just like, yeah, you do read about how he treated people, and you're like, yeah, kind of everybody that came out of that room, um, if they didn't make like really violent uh, shows right after, were just like. Uh, <sighs> Matthew Weiner's a weird guy. I'm just gonna let's just say that. Let's just say that. Matthew I'll put it this way: Matthew guy. Weiner was the only person who apparently just completely got along with David Chase, and I don't know if that's uh, a real yeah. good thing. <laughs> like, oh boy. 
Um, both of these guys are not nice people. Uh, Sean Ryan, on the other hand, I want to, I just want to shout him out because I think that like it's what's so disappointing about this episode. I think is that I, I expect and I know Sean Ryan can deliver so much better, um, and it's just kind of I'm sure he got like confused wasn't and didn't really know like him and Glenn Mazar didn't know what to do right now. I want to say that like it's so cool that like this is a show as like hyper influential as mm-hmm. it is and is as good as it is and there's like no cult of personality around Sean Ryan at all. He's just a guy that like does his job but he does his job so well. And I really admire that about him. Yeah, he really like doesn't get those kinds of like Sla- slavish profiles and stuff. I don't know if I'm saying that word right. Slavish profiles <laughs> and like He's not very about in like Vogue in like Vogue or whatever. Right. He wasn't For that guy. Favorite, yeah. You know. He just did a lot of research. Like he would like interview like Alan Sepinwall in the Ledger, like that kind of thing. He wouldn't like, you know. He he wouldn't go too big. I mean. From what I know of him, too, he's a pretty nice guy. He does a lot of research for his writing, and, like, he's mm-hmm. somebody who tries to commit to a certain uh, re- fidelity to life. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate yeah, that yeah, about yeah. his shows, you know. He he was not a literary guy, either, in terms of the shows he makes. Like, I don't think of him as a guy who's going to go deep into, like, slow-motion flashbacks, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I, this is what I, makes this episode yeah. weird to me, and, like, off. I don't know. Also, I just, again, I don't buy that the strike team had to learn to be corrupt. I think they just instinctively did this stuff. I think that, like, what makes the strike, I think, it's kind of interesting to get this perspective on the strike team now, kind of by contrast. But it's like, what makes the strike team, like, so quote-unquote effective as a unit is how it, um, excuse me, how it, um, there's, like, individual corruptions in most of the members of it and how they operate as a unit is what makes it effective. Like, um, how Vic is, like, a big guy um, who has, like, just is corrupt to his soul. Yeah. But he, um, he's able to hide that with a, um, hide that behind, like, just, he's able to lie to other people and to himself so effectively that makes him what's good at his job. Shane is just, like, kind of a blowhard doofus mm-hmm. um but he's like he's a really good guy to um a really good soldier same with lem and lem can kind of just ha- like do anything and he's like kind of the only he's like of course the saddest member of the strike team because he's the most corruptible yeah um and ronnie is just like uh just uh, a god amongst men uh, and the, <laughs> the mustache proof the, the only proof you need is that mustache the ladies love the stash <laughs> ladies love the stash <laughs> He's probably right. I've never, I've never had one. I can't say. <laughs> uh, but like, do, do, like, does that does what I'm saying make sense? That like, what makes the strike team so interesting is that like, it's it's not that they were drawn to corruption. Is that there was if they weren't already corrupt, they could be corrupted. And mm-hmm. the corruption story that's the most interesting so far to me is like Lem. You know what I'm saying? Like how this sort of this puppy dog, this golden retriever. Um, is influenced by the world around him, and he doesn't really. Uh, it's it's because of it. He's so like just naive that he yeah. does whatever people want, and like watching him kind of get a little like corrupted bit by bit is the most fascinating like I th- take on corruption that's in the show. As it is, mm-hmm. we don't need to see that with Vic Mackey. No, we don't. I mean, that's the thing. Also, like I want to point out too, his brutality isn't really dramatically foreshadowed. It's not really given a context in this. Yeah. Like, the yeah, shift yeah, into yeah. it. I wanted to see that earlier on, or, like, I want to see a way in which 
that character becomes that. If he's going to have to become brutal instead of just being brutal, I want to see that become a reality for really dramatic stakes. And that's why I'm just like, Vic was always brutal. I not for permission either. No, Vic was always brutal. This is why I don't buy it. I'm just like, no, 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 he was always like this. I think he always, he basically got in the car of Carl Weathers, like, as his partner, and on the first day, he taught him how to fuck people up. And then from then on, Vic fucked people up. You're exactly right. The best version of, like, this sort of Vic Mackey origin story is the episode with Carl Weathers. Like, yeah. that's all we need to know about who Vic Mackey was as a person beforehand. Yeah, that's all we need. We need to, need to know that Carl Weathers taught him how to I be a corrupt see... fuck. That's yeah. what we got. And you know that Carl Weathers wasn't driving around in a fucking suit? Like, he had, like, no. Henley tees and, like, uh, a leather jacket going like going around a bus. Right, exactly. And, like, we just know that Vic got that style from him. And, like, you know, again, it's just stuff where I'm like, also, I don't buy that, like, Vic got punished just for being insubordinate to somebody. I buy that, like, mm-hmm. he threw somebody in a glass, and then he got reassigned. Yeah. That's my oh, take on yeah. Vic. Like, he threw somebody into, like, a, a glass door. But and then like, someone's the... like, you have to go. But you're, 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 yeah, that take is just, like, from the from the text of the show. We've already gotten all this information exactly. until this point. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it is. Oh, man, I've kind of, like, I don't know what it was, man. Like, I was watching this episode, and I thought it was just okay, and it's like, I kind of understand, like, why, I understood at the beginning of this, like, why they want to do it. But now I'm, like, now I'm, like, even less convinced of its necessity. Me you know, like, there could yeah. have been a kind of, like, placeholder. Oh, it's nonsense. Um, like, table, table like, uh, resetting the chessboard kind of episode that doesn't, like, go this far back and right. kind of need to. The show doesn't need to be erased in this way. You know, it just feels like they're erasing the, the blackboard with everything we know about it and just kind of. And at this point, we spent, like, up to over 20 hours watching these characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's, like... Yeah. It's a weird episode of television. Like, I'd never watched the full thing before now. I'd quit 10 minutes in the first time because I got annoyed by it. Oh, my God. What's the 10-minute mark in that? that? Let's see. I think I stopped right away when Connie comes back. Okay. So maybe, like, five, eight minutes, but... I stopped. I was like, this is weird. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, Yeah. I also like was just annoyed where I'm oh, like, yeah, but Connie I want to go back. Only in one scene. I totally forgot she was in this. Yeah, and, and Connie's, it's a great act performance, of course, because she's just so of good. Of course, but yeah, because Kathy Kaelin Ryland's good. She steps up to the occasion, mm-hmm. but it's also like, I kind of like that, actually. I forgot she was in it, but I kind of like, that struck me as a little kind of true moment between the two mm-hmm. of them. Because that Although, kind of unlocked... That unlocks a little bit. Uh, that unlocks a little bit more of their relationship that I kind of liked. Sure. Although my take, mm-hmm. I don't buy that Vic slept over much beyond when the beyond the kids. Yeah. I buy that he was like, we've had children, so we can, you know, I can. Yeah, get yeah, story. yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't buy. I don't know. I, I don't, don't buy that. Buy them as an intimate couple, really? That much? No, either. I don't. I'm like, I feel yeah, like Vic would weird. be like that kind of weird husband who's like, well, we had children now, so it's over. Oh it. yeah, because like he yeah. gets like he he just fucks around enough as it is, and he's like he totally does. Jesus yeah, and oh yeah, and then he flirts with Danny like immediately after joining the barn. It's like right. Oh, barn, he takes off like that, that ring. Oh my god, weird yeah. weird episode. 
Um, Weird episode, guys. All right, what are our positive thoughts, I guess, on this? Positive. So I wanted to write down some positive stuff, sure. actually. Like, around around the middle point of the episode, I'm like, I gotta, I can't just, like, write stuff that's confusing me. So I wanted to write some stuff down. Mine, mine um, is, like, a strongly worded customer complaint letter. <laughs> it just looks like that. I don't buy that Vic wasn't corrupt. Like, I don't buy that. And I, mean, I, I sound like it's an like, angry, like, person this, demanding like, to speak to the manager. This isn't enough for me to, like... It's just, it's so, I think that, like, the, the strength of the show is that it overcame this, and overcame this, like, mm-hmm. so. It's just, like, the biggest kind of speed bump before we get onto the other side, of, and, like, the show really takes off, as sure. far as I remember. Um, and in that, like, in that context, it's, it, ugh, man, and just, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird episode, definitely. So, um, I think, like, my number one thing that I think that was, like, the most consistent that I liked was just seeing jamie brown again honestly <laughs> i miss connie <laughs> i loved seeing her again and that line she gives after she gets beaten up during sex and like she's just like vic can you take me i need to go get a hit and she like kind of yeah. laughs kind of cries and like it's just this horrible oh, yeah. like oh yeah. god this poor woman yeah like every day kind of sucks <laughs> like every day and uh, but what was, what was in your customer complaint letter? <laughs> no, I just like, I don't buy that Vic wasn't corrupt. I don't buy that Vic was ever compliant. I don't buy that Terry and Acevedo were buddies. And I yeah. just I just sound like a petulant 40-year-old demanding <laughs> to speak to the manager. Um, no, I just sound silly. But I, I just, I did write great intro Terry. I kind of liked the, the shot of his fingers kind of drumming. I thought that was a nice touch. So, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I think the direction's good. Peter Horton does a good job in general with this and carte blanche, as I remember. Yeah, I think that... I de- yeah, I definitely think that, like, this episode is not as... Um, it's 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 shaky, definitely, but I think that it is a little more stable because of, like, that Peter Horton's just a pro. Sure. And uh, it's, it's pretty well directed. No, I'm with you on the speed bump thing. I see this episode as one that is just, like, a, like a little aberration through Mm -hmm. like the most like straightforward story possible you could tell on television like that and like the spartacus television series though there is like a huge prequel series but that's because andy whitfield had hodgkins and then uh he died in 2012 so yeah Yeah. really sad really nice guy too um oh that's a bummer Oh yeah, Spartacus um, is really good though. I, I highly recommend it for any. Shield yeah, I know fans. you really. You were watching this. You watched this, The Shield, for the first time. You're watching Spartacus, right? I watched. Let's see. Yeah, I. I think. Let me think about it. Yeah, I watched The Shield, and then like shortly after, I kind of went through all of Spartacus. Like, I watched the first season, then didn't go any further. Mm-hmm. Or the prequel series, and then I started going through Vengeance and War of the Damned, which are the last two seasons, and they're great. Oh, cool. Strong okay. recommends for any S.H.I.E.L.D. fans. I feel like a lot of the plotting is very similar, where it's really barreling through stuff, and, like, very concisely. Yeah. Um, also, like, its own vocabulary. It's, like, totally absurd and great. Like, yeah. Like, the line, uh... Man, okay. Oh, it's great. It's great. I think you, I, you, you sold me on that now, actually. I'm in the middle of Halt and Catch Fire, and I think that, like, if S.H.I.E.L.D. fans watch haven't, watched, haven't watched that, it's, like, in the same... Uh, it's also very propulsive, um... It's also very propulsive in a way that, like, surprised me, definitely. So um, someone mentioned that The Widows, it feels like a late she- season S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. What do you think Oh! <laughs> uh, whoever said that, uh, I want to I meet them and shake their hand, because that is, uh, it definitely does feel like... Widows kind of feels like if, uh, yeah, Widows definitely has, like, 
Widows is very classically dramatic. I'll yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch that. I can't believe that. you haven't watched that yet, man. Like man, I'm, I'm just broke like... the whole time it's been in theaters <laughs> and shit, so like it came out just as I was broke, and I was like, oh shit, I want to yeah, see Widows, yeah. but I can't. Like, God damn it, this looks really good, too. <laughs> no, you're, I know it is good. You're going to love it. I also think yeah. that uh, I've been watching... Uh, I was uh, I recently rewatched The Departed two days in a row while I was uh, I was doing a little bit of uh, set... I was doing a little bit of production work, mm-hmm. and uh, my boss, like, just for, like, some background noise sometimes, um, we had, uh, like, movies playing, and we put on... The Departed, like, it was always towards the end of the day, like, once we were wrapping up, and we put on The Departed on Wednesday night, and then we get into the office on Thursday morning and put it on again. Nice. Uh, the Departed is also a movie that rules, if you guys haven't rewatched it recently. Uh, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> that, that's a movie that has a, it has Scorsese's propulsiveness and, like, his, like, rock and roll exuberance thing kind of going, but... Like, yeah. so it's not really, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. It doesn't have that gritty handheld feel, but, like, it's very 2000s and it very much has that shield in like, sense of cynicism and realism towards human nature. Where, oh, definitely. Like, yeah. people are going to be fucked sometimes. You have to roll with it. Like, you have to know who you are, you know, recognize yourself. Like, Costello is very much a tragic character where, like, he can't... Oh, God. Yeah. He, he gonna... really can't see, like, what he's doing that, like, might be a problem. That's, and nobody, actually nobody in that movie does, which is like, no. so much of that movie is just like, people talking over the other person, and not talking to anybody, and purposely p- keeping other people in the dark, and it just turns into this like, this ballet, this farce of violence, and it's just yeah. so incredible. Uh, no, it's, I love the that movie. From the Great Jack performance also. I've been doing a Jack impression all week. <laughs> <laughs> the best line of that movie honestly might be, uh, you know, when he's like talking to, like, it's, uh, DiCaprio talking to Costello, and he's just like, you know, the, the rat could be anybody. You don't pay anybody well, you know? You're basically a feudal fucking enterprise. <laughs> it's just a really, really, really funny line. <laughs> no, I ain't scheming, fucking rat. Right. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Uh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, weird episode, but, ju- like, it's all right. We're past it. You're past this is like, I th- we're, we're past it. I think, like, for both of us, this was kind of like a big thing on our horizon since the very beginning of the show because yeah. it is such it's such a, a a different thing than it it's 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 weird it's just weird it's so unshield like what we got to cover it you know we had to do it and we've done it and it's in all the right. interest in the it, it we're past it we're past it gang we're past also, it also now it's seen good. all of the shield episodes so Woo-hoo! you know I'm good yeah finally yeah, I did it. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy, uh, who are yeah, not having you. Kevin Hart this year, and, <laughs> and apparently aren't having any hosts, and almost tried to get rid of the two things that are essential and, to filmmaking. Uh, and aren't nominating any good movies. I'm kidding. There's plenty of fine films nominated, but... Uh, the, I like Black Panther. It's really good. Uh, no, well, I, I'm i just talking about like stuff sure. that has like a, a chance of winning. On oh, Sunday, man. we're recording. We're recording this the Friday yeah. before the Oscars. When this drops, it'll be post Oscars, so we'll already sure. have, you know, it'll already be old hat. What happened? But just like, man, I mean, uh, I think I'm working on Sunday just because, like, I kind of saw the saw what the Oscars were, and I just decided not to care this year. <laughs> Green Book for Best Picture in the year uh... that Widows wasn't nominated. Beale Street got shit. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm out. No, experiment thank you. into the spider. How are they going to disrespect Brian Tyree Henry this much? 
That's all I'm saying. Throw him a best supporting. This could have been a stacked, but this is like already a stacked best actress here. No, um, this is yeah. It's also. incredible. Um, but you couldn't find room for Brian Tyree Henry and best supporting actor. I find oh, yeah. that. I find that. Uh, well, like Spider Man really, to the really Spider Verse had him, and that should have been nominated for best picture. Yes, absolutely. It's fantastic. Oh my god. Uh, it's ecstatic. Yes. Fuck, I gotta see that movie again, dude. I've been. It's been. I tried to watch. Um, just kind. Of, I don't know why I felt I had to do this. I tried to watch Mortal Engines recently, but just I hadn't. Like I was getting really anxious in the first couple minutes because mm-hmm. it was uh, not that good of a movie, so I stopped watching it. <laughs> Fair enough. And I just want to watch Spider. I just want to watch Spider Man again, honestly. Spider Man's good. All right, folks. We'll we'll save you the torture. <laughs> yeah, we'll just. I mean. This is this is a weird episode. We're past it, but we're gonna get back to uh, the good stuff next episode. We're gonna. I, get, I this read. Is, this the, is gonna be so good. This is gonna be so good. I read the. Uh, I read the plot summary for the next episode when it popped up on Hulu. Oh, which by the way, if you didn't know, the Shield is all on Hulu. Yes, uh, it is. So, um, so watch it there. The box that just came out. Oh, we should also mention. Or we should both mention the. Um, uh, there's a great write up on the Shield. Um, 4k blu-ray in uh birth movies death by scott wampler um really liked reading that article and uh he gives it a real fair shake and just the the box set sounds uh incredible it does sound great and like he describes the picture quality which i'm very excited about where he said Mm -hmm. it's the perfect like it's not it's not grainy but it's gritty and it feels right so i'm very excited about that um yeah but we're back to some good old shield, some good old shield shit next episode. Yes, um, some real propulsive, some good action. I think is coming. Yeah. Up. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yes. This has been the Barn, a podcast, uh, a podcast about the Shield, uh, mm-hmm. produced by Connor and myself, Mason McGuire, edited by Connor. Uh, you can find us on social media on Facebook at the Barn, a podcast about the Shield. You can uh, interact with us on there. We'd love to get your comments and responses to anything that we say. Uh, please shoot us an email as well at podcastthebarn at gmail.com. Our uh, theme song is by is Stance Gives You Balance by Hogan Grip. Our logo was designed by my sister, Kellen. You can find her art on, at ins- on Instagram at, at underscore couchmouse. You can find me on Instagram at, uh, at M-A-S-O-N-M-U-G-W-I-R-E. And uh, you can also find me on uh, on uh, Letterbox, just yeah. under my name. Yeah, I think that about does it for me. And you can find me on Letterbox under Newton. Uh, the last movie I just watched was Once Upon a Time America, which is a dark, flawed masterpiece. Uh, highly recommended. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. All right, folks. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye.